FM 99.3 WBT. All right, joining me now is the senior vice president, senior vice president at the John Locke Foundation, or is it just vice president? I forget. Becky Gray, welcome, Becky. Is it senior vice president or just vice president? Senior vice president. I thought so. That's yeah. what happens when you hang around long enough. That's right. <laughs> uh, that's, that's why we don't have any of those titles in radio. That's Okay, so uh, <laughs> so let's see. What uh, anything going on in North Carolina politics uh, over the nah, last forty eight hours? Nah, not much at all. You know, no. just some really surprise filings for Congress. Um, governors not knowing what they're going to do about the budget. The COVID thing continues. Emergency orders continue. We got lawsuits filing left and right. But you know, other than that, just a quiet. Quiet week and that is, Yeah, that is sort of North Carolina politics uh, <laughs> these days. All right, so let's start with the budget. This is probably going to be pretty quick just be, because there really isn't anything new to report except that it seems like the legislature is not going to be able to come to some sort of an agreement with the governor, but they're going to keep some of his ideas in their proposal. Is that the, is that the reports that I've seen at least? Yeah, and, you know, Pete, keep in mind, too, that, you know, a lot of the ideas are common between the General Assembly and the governor. Um, You know, everybody's talked about teacher pay increases. Everybody's talked about more money for state employees. Everybody's talked about some bonuses for some state employees to get through the COVID. Everybody's talking about spending all of the COVID money that's come in from the federal government. Everybody's talking about putting some money in savings accounts. So there's a lot of common goals between, I think, everybody involved with this budget process. It just, as they say, the devil is in the details. And then there's some big things. You know, the governor continues to talk about Medicaid expansion. The General Assembly has made it clear one more time that they are not interested in doing that, don't feel like that's the best policy. Um, so, you know, that continues. But Pete, here is a little bit of new news on that front is that what we're hearing, and at this point, you know, nothing is absolutely confirmed, but what we're hearing is that there are some Democrats who agree that this is a good budget and are willing to not only vote for the budget, but probably vote for an override should the governor decide to veto it. And the Senate needs two Democrats to vote with all the Republicans in order to get that override vote. And the House needs three. So, you know, those are critical votes. And what we're hearing is that those votes are most likely there both in the Senate, which is where this override process, if it's needed, would begin. And then it would go to the House where we're hearing more and more that there are maybe as many as nine Democrats who would vote with the Republicans to override it. So that puts another kind of glitch in these negotiations, if you will. You know, does the governor want to, does the governor want to veto a bill that he, there's a pretty high likelihood, at least at this point, that it would be overridden? Um, Does he want to put himself in that position? Or is it in his best interest to finish out these negotiations with the House and the Senate, come to some kind of an agreement on a budget that they can can feel good about presenting to him and have a lot of support from their caucus and one that he could sign on to. So the the news is not the veto and overrides and, and controversy 
in within the Democratic caucuses, but the news would be we've reached an agreement, everyone agrees to it. The governor could certainly share some of the responsibility for it with legislative leaders um, and present a more uniformed front. I, I think that's a good idea, to be honest with you. But, you know, that's another glitch that we may see in here is that, again, the likelihood of a veto override kind of puts another element into the negotiation. Right, because if he if he makes those Democrats vote to override, he jams them up in an election year uh, that he's not running in. And yeah. uh, if he or he takes the if, if he takes the hit, then he can approve it. And Democrats then can, you know, if they're in a vulnerable seat or whatever, they, they don't have to run uh, with a yes vote or an override vote. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Because uh, he has in the past, I mean, this is just, you know, political calculus, and I don't know uh, all of the factors and the different parts that he's looking at there. But um, in the past, he has, you know, the reports are that he has threatened uh, his uh, Democratic colleagues, like, you know, they, they won't have any ability to get anything done if they go against him and he makes them all fall in line. And we've seen votes flip, you know, before where they were uh, in support of something and then he vetoes it and then they are like, uh, I'll ve- I'll override it. And then they turn around and don't override. So I, I, I don't know. Yeah, we, we, we'll have to see just like all all of this stuff. But I think there is a benefit politically to him signing off on a budget. But I don't know if he's interested in that. If he's got some other plans for some other run for another office, maybe. But I've not heard that he has any desire for yeah, another office. You know, Pete, I just don't know. I mean, it's a tough calculus. Um, you know, the teachers have not received a raise um, since 2018. They received raises under Republican leadership when Republicans were able to get through a budget. Governor Cooper has vetoed every single budget. He has vetoed teacher pay increases. He has vetoed state employee pay increases. They've been relatively patient up to this point, but I'm getting a sense that a lot of people's patience is running out. Also, there is a lot of money involved in this budget. Not only is there a surplus in revenue that will be used for tax cuts and some reinvestment into state government, but there's also all that COVID money in there. And that's a lot of money that's going into the school system for health care, going across the state into communities. And I think it's unfortunate if the governor puts those Democratic members of the General Assembly in a position where they have been before, that they have to choose between party alliance and what's really best for their constituents. And um, so, so we'll see what's going to happen. It's an interesting political landscape and strategy that's playing out in the long run, if you take all the politics out of it, which granted is very difficult to do, but this is a good budget. It reduces taxes. It reigns in the growth of government. It gives a lot of money out there for a lot of things, for education, for capital investments, for public safety, a lot of things that North Carolinians care about. I think everybody ought to put the take off their political hats and put on their governing hats and do what's best for the state of North Carolina, come to an agreement on this and get this thing done, get this implemented, get that money out into the economy, and let's get North Carolina's economic engine running again. Becky Gray, the Senior Vice President at the John Locke Foundation. You can read her work and her colleagues' work at carolinajournal.com. Becky, always a pleasure. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Pete. You have a great weekend, too.